Good morning, everyone. Bang, bang. News broke yesterday that a foreign government has been sponsoring an elaborate scheme to gain access to some of the most sensitive government communication and information. While some of the details are still unknown, it is clear that this activity should cause concern for every American citizen. David Sanger of the New York Times summarized the situation with the following. Quote, the Trump administration acknowledged on Sunday that hackers acting on behalf of a foreign government, almost certainly a Russian intelligence agency, according to federal and private experts, broke into a range of key government networks, including the Treasury and Commerce Departments, and had free access to their email systems. Officials said a hunt was on to determine if other parts of the government had been affected by what looked to be one of the most sophisticated and perhaps among the largest attacks on federal systems in the past five years. Several said national security-related agencies were also targeted though it was not clear whether the systems contained highly classified material, end quote. Singer later went on to explain that this cyber attack could have been underway for a number of months before it was detected. Quote, the motive for the attack on the agency in the Treasury Department remains elusive. Two people familiar with the matter said. One government official said it was too soon to tell how damaging the attacks were and how, mater- how much material was lost. But according to several corporate officials, the attacks have been underway as early as this spring, meaning they continued undetected through months of the pandemic and the election season, end quote. This development reminded me of an incredibly detailed investigative report that I read back in September 2020. The report was titled The FinCEN Files and was put together by Jason Leopold and his colleagues at BuzzFeed News. The explosive article starts with the following, quote, A huge trove of secret government documents reveals for the first time how the giants of Western banking move trillions of dollars in suspicious transactions, enriching themselves and their shareholders while facilitating the work of terrorists, kleptocrats, and drug kingpins. And the U.S. government, despite its vast powers, fails to stop it, end quote. This may not be a complete surprise to many people, but the next part is even more damning. Quote, laws that were meant to stop financial crime have instead allowed it to flourish, So long as a bank files a notice that it may be facilitating criminal activity, it all but immunizes itself and its executives from criminal prosecution. The suspicious activity alert effectively gives them a free pass to keep moving the money and collecting the fees. The Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN, is the agency within the Treasury Department charged with combating money laundering, terrorist financing, and other financial crimes. It collects millions of these suspicious activity reports, known as SARS. It makes them available to U.S. law enforcement agencies and other nations' financial intelligence operations. It even compiles a report called Kleptocracy Weekly that summarizes the dealings of foreign leaders such as Russian President Vladimir Putin, end quote. So whether you are talking about the U.S. Treasury and Commerce Departments or FinCEN, it is becoming abundantly clear that the U.S. government is creating honeypots of data that are acting as prizes for malicious actors. The thought process goes like this. Government organizations are collecting billions of data points on people and organizations in an effort to prevent or solve crimes. The problem is that they are doing a fantastic job of collecting the information, but they're not doing a good job of stopping majority of the illegal activity. In fact, you could easily argue that governments are collecting so much data that it is actually making them more ineffective rather than more effective. The Institute of International Finance and Deloitte actually wrote a white paper on this exact topic, including the following. Quote, it is a truism to state that the SARS, suspicious activity reports, regime presents challenges to both financial institutions and law enforcement. A significant number of SAR disclosures made to law enforcement are assessed to be of limited intelligence value or of poor quality. Processing high numbers of low quality reports, which do not improve the investigation of criminal activity, diverts already limited FIU resources and is ineffective in driving law enforcement outcomes. Think about this for a second. The U.S. government along with financial institutions and other nation states, 
have been gathering so much information that they can't find the high quality information because it is buried in a plethora of low quality information. Pretty scary to think about. Now, many of you are probably wondering why am I writing about cyber attacks and suspicious activity reports, right? These interconnected situations are directly related to the recent rumor that the U.S. Treasury Department is going to pursue legislation that would require financial institutions to verify identities of recipients and senders for transactions involving self-hosted crypto wallets or wallets that are not provided by a financial institution or service. Examples of such wallets include hardware wallets or a wallet running on a user's computer. If this legislation was to be adopted, governments around the world would be collecting more and more data, but not actually becoming any more effective at stopping illegal activities. I'm not the only one who believes this either. Jai Ramaswamy, I think I pronounced that right, Ramaswamy, was previously chief of the Asset Forfeiture and Money Laundering Section of the Department of Justice Criminal Division, and also the global head of AML Compliance at Bank of America Merrill Lynch, and was the head of Enterprise Risk Management at Capital One. He wrote an op-ed for Coin Center where he stated, quote, personal crypto transactions seem to marry the benefits of cash with the convenience of an electronic payment. But without either the physical constraints of the former or the risk controls imposed on the latter, this has led some to describe unhosted wallets as a personal Swiss bank account enhanced by the global reach of the Internet. The very same danger which the global standards created by FATFA over the past five years was intended to address. Policymakers fear that full majority, maturity of these decentralized protocols could foreshadow a future without financial intermediaries, which would significantly inhibit law enforcement's ability to identify, prosecute, and otherwise disrupt illicit financial networks in an environment when the effectiveness of these tools is already being challenged. There are, however, strong reasons to believe that the opposite is true, that personal crypto transactions pose less illicit finance risk than commonly believed. Unhosted wallets are more like a personal billfold than a Swiss bank account. And unlike cash, crypto assets are not legal tender, and thus still not universally accepted for goods and services in the real economy. While there are some exceptional circumstances, such as hyperinflation or severe currency devaluations that allow crypto assets to take on some of these attributes in specific regions, or darknet markets where illicit goods and services are priced and paid for in crypto assets, these are unlikely to lead to wholesale and global changes in consumer behavior. Practically speaking, even, Ill even illicit actors, much like legitimate businesses or individuals, must eventually convert between crypto assets and local fiat currencies to meet basic needs and run their operations. One could theoretically imagine a world where crypto assets serve this purpose. However, that future remains uncertain and remote, a reality that is all too apparent to entrepreneurs launching crypto projects who daily contend with the challenges of achieving organic growth without deep and liquid fiat on and off ramps. Indeed, an important reason for Bitcoin's continuing market dominance, despite proliferation of other crypto assets over the past decade, as well as the increasing market share of fiat-backed stablecoins, is ready, is ready convertibly to fiat currency through regulated intermediaries, end quote. Ramaswamy went on to then summarize his point beautifully when he said, quote, Perhaps most importantly, policymakers must come to terms with the technological shift that is driving the rise of decentralized blockchain protocols. Those changes have the potential to transform the architecture of the internet, collapse the distinction between communication and settlement of value on networks, and rewire some of the ways we think about financial services, particular in driving financial inclusion. Critically, these are primarily technological advances that give rise to financial innovations, and thus policymakers seeking to prohibit or restrict their development and use would be wise to heed King Cantu's warning about the futility of stopping the ocean's tides from rising. A sober review of the technology explains why such efforts are bound to fail and will only serve to undermine rather than enhance efforts to detect, 
and disrupt illicit financial activity, end quote. It may be counterintuitive at first glance, but the United States and their peers would be better off resisting the urge to regulate Bitcoin and cryptocurrency transactions. We've already seen the ineffectiveness that exists when we collect as much information as possible, while also drastically violating the financial privacy of hundreds of millions of people. Additionally, governments will merely be creating new honeypots of information that will likely get stolen by nefarious adversaries. There's a balance between stopping illegal activity and conducting security theater. Just as the TSA practices at an airport are proven to be rather ineffective, the KYC AML practices of legacy organizations leave much to be desired as well. Instead, our government should be focused on embracing this technology, driving innovation further so we can be the greatest beneficiary, and working intimately with industry leaders to create an environment that allows for financial inclusion while also deterring malicious behavior. Let's hope we have people in positions of power and influence with the courage to do the right thing. Hope each of you has a great start to your week, and I'll talk to you tomorrow morning.